The World Health Organization is committed to achieving health equity for all human beings worldwide. But how do you square the circle of alleviating health poverty by an organization that fits into a structure that itself has been at the source of relative health poverty? In this, our second episode on relative privilege, we explore the relative privilege that occurs in the area of healthcare. Anil Soni is the CEO of the World Health Organization Foundation, and he shares with us his commitment to restorative justice in healthcare and his journey to arriving at this commitment. Welcome to the Privilege Eruption podcast, a podcast by belonging pioneers and Culture Lab consultancy about the questions and ideas around the hidden barriers to achieving our DEI goals. This is where we explore and test out our ideas with amazing guests like Anil, who have been doing or are doing the work. If you found this conversation helpful, please assist us in growing the knowledge base around relative privilege. This is an area that requires to be studied because we believe it's at the root cause of the lack of equity, diversity, inclusion and belonging in the workplace. So please head over to the website. The link is in the show notes and you can also find it on our website www.belongingpioneers.com. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Anil. Anil Soni is a proven innovator in global health. He's worked for 20 years in the public, private and non-profit sectors to expand healthcare access in low and middle income countries. Before joining the World Health Organization Foundation as its CEO, Anil was head of global infectious diseases at Viatris, working across the pharmaceutical company to accelerate availability of new treatments. Anil was closely involved in the early years of the Global Fund to Fight AIDS, Tuberculosis and Malaria, serving as the advisor to the executive director and then founding executive director of the Friends of the Global Fight. He later served as CEO of the Clinton Health Access Initiative, where he oversaw the rapid expansion of the organization. And I'm delighted that in this episode, Anil shares his journey from privilege to understanding and curating his relative privilege in order to balance the scales of social justice in the healthcare sector. I know you're going to enjoy this episode. You're going to have some great new insights. So please remember to share with us how this episode has impacted you. Welcome to the Privilege Eruption podcast with me, Ishreen Bradley, Chief Inspiration Officer at Belonging Pioneers. And me, Kami Nuttall, founder of Culture Lab Consultancy. Privilege is a conundrum that dilutes the culture of fairness at work. And as a leader, you recognize that your organization has more to do. You want to create success through connection and belonging, and you're unsure about how to make it happen. Now, the Privilege Eruption podcast is where you have the opportunity to evolve breakthrough thinking about the impact of power, privilege and purpose and how that shows up at work. And in these podcasts, you will gain the courage and confidence to realize a culture of inclusion for all. Ishreen, everyone at Belonging Pioneers and everyone who's gathered for the Balancing the Scales event, hello. Um, welcome. My name is Anil Sony. I'm the CEO of the World Health Organization Foundation. 
And I'm terribly sorry that I'm not with you in person. Ishreen asked me to share a few words with you, and you have a, a, an event full of inspiring speakers, and, and mostly I'm sure you're going to be inspiring and empowering each other. And I feel quite humbled um, to have the opportunity to share a bit of my story, but that's what I'll do, um, not pretend to be an expert on subjects for which I'm guessing the experts are there in the room, but instead telling you a bit about how equity as a concept has come alive for me and how I try to bring that to this new organization, the WHO Foundation. I've spent my career in global health, and what that means is essentially that I've worked on bridging the gap in access to healthcare to the many people who don't have the access to the medicines, the diagnostics, the vaccines, the services, the healthcare workers that I've had in my life. Two billion people on the planet don't have access to essential medicines. And I think that figure says it all. Um, there's too many people, there's a countless number of people, uh, an unimaginably high number of people that don't have access to the services that I've been privileged to have for my whole life. And over the last 20 years, while I've worked in global health, there has been tremendous progress. There's been more money given by wealthy governments, by foundations. There have been initiatives like the Global Fund, the Vaccines Alliance, a billion vaccines delivered, tens of millions of lives saved, 30 million people in low and middle income countries have access to HIV medicines, which when we started in 2000, were basically only being used at an extremely high price by people who were living with HIV uh, and only some of those people in the US and Europe. So there's been a lot of progress and there's a lot more work to do to ensure that we achieve health for all. But for me, it wasn't actually in global health that I came to appreciate the depth of inequity that we face uh, as a challenge, as a stain on the humanity of the world today. It came as an American, which you can tell by my accent. I was living in the United States and I began reading when I came to appreciate how many people of color were behind bars when I came to understand um, the disproportionate number of people of color who were killed by the state. And I won't try in a couple of minutes to explain what I learned. And there's so many authors that I'm grateful for, like Brian Stevenson and Isabel Wilkerson and Michelle Alexander and so many more. But what I learned was that mass incarceration, which was an area that I tried to focus on in my personal learning, was not an aberration, but was a product, an intentional product uh, of a state that had over hundreds of years found iterative ways to police people of color and to advance the economic and social well-being of some at the consequence of others. And whether that was slavery or the genocide of indigenous people, whether it was Jim Crow and now it's mass incarceration, those systems represent structural discrimination and intentional and ongoing othering. And what's so pernicious about those systems 
are that we're all complicit in them. At least I found that I was complicit. And that was deeply uncomfortable when I realized that despite a career in global health, that I was a person who as a consumer in the United States was contributing to structural racism as a person who benefited from the schools that I went to, the roads that I drove on, all of the institutions that exist in the United States as a consequence of hundreds of years of injustice, that my life is the way it is because of that injustice. I've inherited it. And I say this as a person of color, as a child of immigrants from India, but even as a South Asian, my cultural heritage is one of a caste system where, again, it's another form of othering, another form of certain people being advanced at the cost and dignity of others. Once my eyes were open to the degree of injustice around me, to the fact that it was in the air that I breathed, it was in the property that I lived in, it was in the schools that I went to, I couldn't close my eyes to it. And when I moved into this latest role, the WHO Foundation exists to mobilize resources to advance the mission of the WHO, which is to achieve health for all. Again, it's a good mission. It's work that I, I care about, that I want to do. What I realized is that in pursuing that mission, I needed to start with the opportunity for all of us to share in that same reckoning and recognize the ways in which the systems were operating, development, philanthropy, charity, are themselves systems that are a product of injustice. Aid is a system by which we try to move money from wealthy countries to poorer countries, but the wealth that we're moving was stolen as a consequence of hundreds of years of injustice. Philanthropy is a product of taking wealth that was produced oftentimes by corporate activity that is not always complicit in injustice, but certainly most corporate activity and the pursuit of profit is not fundamentally driven by equity as a goal. And so I exist professionally in an organization that's aiming to move resources that themselves were stolen. And so now I think of myself, or I aspire to be, more an agent of restorative justice. And what that means specifically at this organization is that we've prioritized DE&I work. But I hesitated before I said DE&I because it can be so performative, that work. And of course, we need systems and we need psychological safety to ensure that there's inclusion. And if we have inclusion, then we can have diversity. And diversity is incredible. Can you imagine working for an American organization where 40% of the people were people of color, which are the demographics of the country, and the minority of people were men? And there was space for people who are not heteronormative or people who are disabled, people who are anyone. Diversity would be incredible as a goal but it's not equity. 
equity has to be about repair. And what I realize is that much of my work in global health for 20 years has been about equality, making sure that everyone has access to the same medicines and healthcare. Equity requires us to acknowledge that the inequality that exists in the world today is a product of systems injustice, of injustice. And the only way that we can achieve equality and fairness and dignity and decency is to acknowledge the source of the inequality and to ensure that we are conducting repair in the work we do and in the way we live our lives. I think I've gone over time and Ishreen asked me to share with you a bit about the challenges of this work and three simple things each person can do. So I'll end by saying the challenges are that when you do deep DE&I work and that work requires you to confront injustice externally and internally, it's very uncomfortable and it can be triggering. And people who did not realize they were complicit when they discover that they are, and I think most of us are, in some way or another, that can trigger anger. And so creating the safe space and investing the time to do this work, because external change is only possible if we change ourselves internally, it is very challenging. But my experience to answer Ashreen's question is that despite those challenges, we have to stay the course and we have to keep on probing and leaning into that discomfort. Three single things each person can do. First, be inquisitive and ask questions and don't judge. Try hard, each of us, all of us, to understand better the lived experience of others whose lives are different than our own. Ask the question and listen, really just listen. Secondly, investigate. Why have those people that we're listening to lived lives that are different than ours? What's the source? What's the root cause of the injustice, of the unfairness, of the difference? So listen and then investigate. Do that homework. And third, be willing in doing that homework to get uncomfortable and to be radically honest with yourself so that you can investigate not just why the world is unfair, but what our role is in perpetuating that unfairness. And if we do that, if each of us opens our eyes to the degree to which we are contributing to injustice as citizens, as consumers, as students, as educators, I believe truly that that gives us the opportunity to be empowered to make real change. Thank you for your patience, and I hope you have a wonderful event. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for joining us. Our intention is to bring you new insights about the impact of power, privilege, and purpose at work for you and for your organization. You can check out our episode description for social media accounts, and don't forget to send in your questions, and you can send those to 
our email, equitychampions at belongingpioneers.com. We look forward to sharing more about power, privilege and purpose at work with you on this podcast. Now, if you got value, please remember to share it with your networks. Please leave us a review. And as Cami said, please do remember to send us any questions that you'd like us to discuss on this podcast. And we'll see you next time. Next time. Bye.